guess what? I just interviewed another really interesting person. His name is Justin Joseph Hall, and he's an award-winning filmmaker and founder of the company Four Wind Productions, based in Brooklyn, New York. The company's work has been acquired by networks such as HBO, and they have worked on award-winning projects receiving industry recognition from the Emmys, the Tribeca Film Festival, and the Brooklyn Film Festival. He's also worked with NBC Universal, National Geographic, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, PBS, BMW, the Cannes Film Festival, Major League Baseball, the Discovery Channel, and the New York Times, just to name a few. I talked with Justin about his workflow and also his impending move to a second studio in Duluth, Minnesota, due largely in part because of the relationships there and the tax benefits. Stay tuned. More coming up soon. It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, conversations with host Serena Catania. I am so happy to have you here. We talked for a little while during the Catalyst Festival or shortly thereafter because I had seen some of your work and was incredibly impressed with it. I think you guys have an amazing company going there. So tell people, where are you? What do you do? And the name of your company. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, that's uh, very flattering. And um, my, uh, I'm Justin Joseph Hall, and my company is Four Wind Films. And um, we do a lot of things. We do fiction and nonfiction. So that's, you know, documentaries and, and narrative work. And um, we've done a lot, a lot of short films. Uh, we've done post-production on a bunch of television and feature documentaries. Uh, we do almost anything you can think of in post-production. We've produced uh, things picked up by HBO. Uh, we have a group of talented a core of about five or eight people uh, that are directors and writers and producers. And then we have a huge network that we work with that's hundreds of uh, people in New York and some people across the country, including Los Angeles and uh, my home state of Minnesota. So explain what all these people do. And and you're in Minnesota. Are you actually in Duluth or outside of Duluth? So we're, I, so that's one of the things. So Four Wind Films is the company I created in Brooklyn here in New York. and uh, But we are starting a new, another sister company, which we haven't quite uh, completed yet, but it's looking like it's going forward very well. Um, and that'll be called Quatre Vents which is a French word for four wind films. Uh, it's, it just means four wind in French. And uh, uh, Minnesota, including my family, has French roots. So we just decided to switch the name, We're creating the sister company because of the amazing incentives that Minnesota and particularly St. Louis County and the Iron Range have created up there. So we're moving there to take advantage and be able to hopefully make more creative projects that we desire. Uh, and help the other amazing people who are who are moving there as well. So, so you, but you're in Brooklyn today. That's awesome. I am in Brooklyn today. Yes. Where, where, you know, my family, my father's side of the family is from Brooklyn. Um, oh, cool. We, we were on, um, I think it's called the Red Hook District. We were on President Street with all the Italians. Best pastry <laughs> in the world right around the corner, right? The Court Street Pastry Shop. Oh, that's amazing. I haven't been over there, but my fiance is Italian, and I love... Red Hook. I mean, it's a we sh we shot a short film there a while ago, or it actually was a pilot for a web series that I really loved. And it's it's not only it's a beautiful visual area that you don't think of 
as New York when you go there, kind of industrial, but there's a lot of old homes there. We used it to replace like um, suburban Massachusetts, actually, I think, uh, in the film. So, yeah. Well, tonight when you go home, ask her if she's ever heard of the world famous Court Street Pastry Shop and their awesome cannolis. <laughs> <laughs> I should definitely because she is a foodie, so she probably does know about it. So. Oh gosh, what a small world! So Duluth, Minnesota. Tell me about that town. That's an amazing. I have, I have a real connection to Duluth and to the people there. It was wonderful the few trips I've made there to meet everyone and see how excited everyone is about the business. But you have family there, or what really drew you there? Uh, my family is located around, uh, even my extended family is located more around St. Cloud, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. My parents grew up in small towns uh, 30 minutes from there. And I spent most of my childhood uh, in and around St. Cloud, a little bit down southwestern Minnesota in Walnut Grove. And I went to the University of Minnesota Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And um, I've had some of my cousins went to UMD and a lot of my friends did. So I've been up and back and forth. I've... Uh, did one of my college jobs. So we did a weekend or two up there. Um, so I know the city pretty well. It's beautiful with its, uh, I mean, the drawbridge, I can't get enough of watching it in the huge port there. I mean, it's it's a beautiful town. So are you going to Catalyst this year during the festival? I hope so. I, th- I think so. I mean, I don't know my schedule for the rest of the year. Uh, we may be getting married around that time, so that might affect the decision. But um, uh me and my fiance have been planning our wedding, but we haven't settled on a date, and I'm not exactly sure when that's happening. So, uh, I, ho- I I hope to go, but uh, we're definitely going to be submitting a few uh, projects, hopefully in the in the in the festival. So, well, that's awesome. I can hardly wait to see the new stuff. Tell our audience about um, the projects that you had at Catalyst this past year. Yeah, so there's two titles for this one, but the the main title and what I submitted it under is called Marcellus Hall, An Artist in New York City. It's part of a larger project, um, which I'll explain about in a second, called Artist in the City. And what we do is we interview an artist and only talk to the artist, and we tell the story chronologically. But in addition to that, we only show the art that that artist has done for B-roll and only hear the music or sound art that um, the artist has done for the soundtrack. And it's all done chronologically. So everything that you're hearing is the artist recounting their creative career and their personal ups and downs that affected that um, from uh, in order chronologically from when they were young, whenever they want to start their story up until present day. And uh, that's what we did with Marcellus Hall is our first installation uh, it's been a resounding success with our debut at Catalyst. We went on to win two awards uh, at future festivals, and uh, we just had a screening last week and we had nothing but positive feedback. So, Tell us about Marcellus Hall. That was a very interesting, it's a series, right? This one was a series, am I right? Yep, yeah, they're web series. So we created everything. Originally, we were thinking, you know, format sort of like uh, Quibi, what they were doing, 10-minute mm-hmm. or less bites that are great for internet consumption. But these are very bingeable episodes where you really are drawn to the next episode. We can sort of pull you along uh, with the narrative. There's no real arc or um, what in conflict that we're overcoming. 
but you're following the life of a creative person and seeing what they create and you want to see where their journey goes. And so um, at each uh, end of the episode, we leave it you hanging that there's something more to the artist's career and you're going to want to see what that is. And so most people who watch uh, the film want to watch it all at once. So it's 31 minutes total, but it's broken up into five episodes. And um, when we make ones in the future, we intend to keep a similar format. We like the under 10 minute episodes for uh, this particular genre. I think it uh, fits really well. And I mean, we've had success with it so far. And yeah, yeah. any way that we can uh, keep viewers, keep watching it, uh, especially for something that's made at home where there's a lot of distractions. And this has been a, a great success in that. So It was wonderful. I thought it was, well, I, I can describe it as an immersive experience. I watched it on a big screen in my home and the music was great and the animations that you had in there, the, the artist's work were wonderful. So I really highly recommend it. Now people can go to see that on fourwindfilms.com or where would well, they go? That's on where you YouTube? can go to, you can go to check uh, where it will be playing. We're still touring and okay. um, we are in negotiations with a deal that uh, we'll know a little bit more about what we're doing with it um, at the end of the week. It could be available to be streamed soon. Um, if not, we're definitely going to release it by the end of the year. But we're still touring to the different series festivals at the at, at the moment. And um, yeah, considering what to do next, along with a lot of our other short content, uh, seeing where we can put that out. So, so let's back up a little bit. Tell tell me about you. How did you get started in all of this? Where do you come from? What did you love when you were a little kid? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess when I I love movies. I mean, one of the things that I used to I, got, I had very good grades when I was young, so maybe I didn't need this incentive. But maybe one reason why I did have good in. Um, Good grades is my parents always said, you know, if you're good, then on the weekend you can rent a video game or a movie. <laughs> and, you know, that was a difficult decision for me because I love them both. Um, but I love going to the cinema. If I would get something really big accomplished, like if I beat my dad in ping pong, he would buy me a movie or take me to the or buy me a video game or take me to the theater or something. And it was just something that I always loved. I love story time. I love people reading me books. I love to read books. I love storytelling in general and uh, the way I think it's the best way to evoke emotions and to communicate um, humanity together in our collective consciousness. So um, after that, I, you know, I just enjoyed them as I was a kid. But when I was like seven or eight, my father made a video um, for work. Uh, he was working at Sears in the sales department. And I can't remember which department, but he was on the floor and he just made a silly video for with his coworkers for future coworkers or something. And I was like, oh, look, my dad can make a video. I'm sure I can make a video too. And then uh, lo and behold, we always had a camera. I didn't really know how to use it great. And it was very heavy uh, mm -hmm. in the 80s, you know, portable cameras or huge VHSs and stuff. And um, my friend invited me over when I was in sixth grade and we made a movie, some kind of uh, Saving Private Ryan spoof, which I had never seen at the time. And uh, that video's lost, I think, but. Um, oh, that's <laughs> but, a shame. Uh, yeah, but I just continued to make movies ever since then. So since sixth grade, we just um, 
continue. And actually, uh, the person who I made it with uh, was my brother and Tyler Thole. And Tyler Thole is doing audio work in the Twin Cities and stuff, too. So uh, we both stayed in the end. So you're coming back together. Yeah. So see. Yeah, I haven't talked to him a bit, but yeah. You're in Brooklyn. You have this big company going. Tell us about the main team and, and who are all these hundred people you talk about? Okay, well, they're just like the people that I've met. I So even from the beginning, when I was just a PA or when I was doing nothing, when I go on set, I pay attention to everybody on set. I always have. And I'm like, these these are the best two people on set. I'm going to write it down, make sure I get their contact. A lot of times, you know, when you're when you get the uh, what is it called? The call sheet in the morning, you get a lot of people's emails, you get a lot of their contacts. And there's always people who stand out on set. There's people who from I mean, from the very beginning when I started working um, and if you pay attention and write them down every time, you're going to have a long list of people that you like. And so I write them down uh, whenever I work on bigger projects. You know, I was just on Axios on HBO uh, for a long time. It was an Emmy, Emmy award winning uh, docuseries. Um, you know, I worked with 60 hundred people that worked on the show, maybe more than that. I don't, I don't know the exact number because there's so many companies working, but <laughs> you know, I make sure to write their contacts down and I have these huge lists and they're all f- people who I know who are friends of mine, who I've worked with in the past, who I love their work. And that list is long and we work together on whatever projects I, um, I can bring to them or sometimes they bring them to me. So, so tell us about the HBO series. What was that? Oh, that was Axios on HBO. It was it ran for four seasons. Um, uh, last year, our team won the Emmy for the um, led by Jonathan Swan in the Trump interview, where he held up the uh, Trump brought a graph to the interview, and uh, Jonathan had some facial reactions and stuff. And it was a very intelligent, very smart um, interview of the president uh, that changed the dis- uh, the social discourse in the country. So. Um, we won the Emmy for that. And that is props, you know, especially to Jonathan Swan, Beth Morrissey, who was the producer and uh, the director's DC TV. Um, you know, many people who worked on that, on the project. So, uh, so Matt and Perry. In this uh, mix, directors. what is your, uh, what is your function? So are you uh, a writer, a director, a producer? What do you do? All of the above? Well, mostly I direct and edit. So mm-hmm. for a lot of the documentary projects, I'm solely in post-production. A lot of times I'm doing a lot of post-producing. I also color. I love to color. I color a lot of my, most of the things that I edit, I suggest that I color the projects. Um, and I love to do it. It's like a different way to think about the project that, um, you know, a lot of times when you're working on the same project over and over and you're doing everything, it feels like you're repeating the same thing over and over again. But the best part about color is that you can turn off the sound, you can play Pink Floyd or whatever you want to play in the background, and you just think about visuals. And that's not something I always get to do because I'm, you know, do I do an audio podcast, I do, uh, which is called Feature in a Short, I do um, documentaries and, and narratives, and there's a lot of words involved in stuff. So just thinking visually, it's sort of a fun change for me as well as uh, as a colorist, but mostly directing and editing. Um, I've definitely had more work editing and I'm moving more towards directing, uh, as the years go by. So you have been so busy. You've done so much work. It's hard to even pick something to talk about. Tell us about (laughs) prologue. 
Oh, prologue is one. It is my. I'm glad you picked that one because that is my absolute passion project. Um, it took me many years to get together. I wrote down a whole bunch of scripts, um, and then I gave it. I met an amazing writer. Her name is Piper Worley, and I'm not much of a writer. I just had some ideas. I gave a whole bunch of these ideas to her, and she chose her favorite, and it happened to be prologue, and she rewrote it and made it into something amazing. Uh, it's a short film that's 14 minutes long. We shot it outside of Yosemite National Park. So you can imagine the incredible beauty that's out wow. there. We shot it in spring. So, um, uh, and it's a short drama that has to do with um, a couple who have communication issues. And um, there is a woman. Uh, their car breaks. Basically, it's a it's a storyline that you've heard before. A car a car breaks down, and um, there's somebody interesting inside the house next to where the car breaks down, um, and uh, there is a shocking ending, to say the least. Um, uh, and it's it has sort of horror aspects, um, and we've won a couple of awards with that as well at the Manhattan Film Festival and at World Fest Houston. Um, so that one also, I mean, both of my uh, newly directed stuff has won awards uh, these past years, and I've been pleasantly surprised uh, jumping into directing that this has worked out so well. So. I'm not surprised. You're so talented. I could tell by what I was watching during the festival. I really could. So it's it's just nice. I think this is going to be very inspirational for other people, other filmmakers who want to know more about, you know, just the excitement of the creativity and how you just keep going and you keep going, you keep going. And honestly, you bring people around you that you like. And I think that isn't that the center of it? Just, mm -hmm. I think when you're around people you like, who think the same way, who have the same goals, just, it's like our shoot yesterday. It was wonderful. We had a great time and, and got really good stuff out of it. So, yeah, I think it makes a difference. It really does. Where can we see Prologue? Is that on the internet anywhere? Are you holding that for festivals or what's happening with that? It's also still touring. It actually just played last month. It just uh, played again. There's a couple more that are done. And that one, again, like when I said that I'm not sure where Marcellus Hall is going to be, I'm not sure where Prologue is going to be, but I really hope to release it at the end of the year uh, for purchase. We might package it if we release it ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, I might package it in a bunch of shorts that Four Windows produced uh, or helped produce as we, um, there's some other collaborators um, like Elizabeth Chatelaine, who's made a bunch of stuff. Um, and Ricky Rosario, uh, we might I might get together with them and some uh, and Jordan Doig, uh, and package together a bunch of shorts. Maybe make a an hour thing to mm -hmm. purchase from our website. Or um, mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure. There's also some other websites that we might pitch it to. So, um, but yeah, no definitive answer. Sorry. <laughs> No, it's great. There's so many questions to ask you. I really do want to know about your workflow and all of that, but I'm also interested in, in the actual films and your choice to distribute them in a way that a lot of independents don't do. You know, you've gone to HBO, you've worked for National Geographic, you've worked with The Rock, you've worked at NBC, so you really have a strong background. Why did you decide to go this particular route to distribute your product other than what 
most independents might say, okay, I'm going to do the film festivals. I'm going to sit back and hope that somebody picks it up. You seem to be very assertive with this, and I love that. <laughs> well, it, it kind of all depends because shorts really don't sell the same as other as other things, and it's very difficult to get them out. There are um, some platforms that are emerging, but I don't think there's a solid business plan because I don't think people have uh, realized the potential of shorts. So, I mean, the real the only time people really really seek out shorts are on large platforms um, like the New York Times with their their doc series, their op docs, or um, you know, when the Oscars come out and they say that these are the 10 shorts to watch for this year. Uh, and if you don't hit that jackpot, which, you know, there are thousands and thousands of shorts and there's 10 selected each year. Um, it's, it, it can be hard to find a spot. So, um, and it takes a lot of time to do that. So with the other projects, I was working with other people, uh, who have different connections than me for each of the networks. And sometimes, you know, like for NBC, I was doing a promo promo edit for them and different things. And so um, all the projects, it depends on who you get to talk to and where you get to put it out. And I know um, that other people have had success in making some of the money back on releasing it by themselves. And a lot of times doing um, a self-release uh, um, on a specific platform, you know that you're going to get a higher percentage of the money when people want to see your stuff and packaging it with our friends content it's more likely um, that we'll be able to share in revenue and drive those sales. So that's, that's the goal. I haven't tried it out yet. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see what else, what else happens. Um, I'm also learning and discovering uh, different places to put things. And I'm really excited uh, once I finish, you know, my first feature and my friends features that we're working on right now to see how distribution works on larger uh, products. Yeah, it's, there's a whole different scenario between working for the networks or the studios and then going out on your own on what I call our do-it-yourself projects, the independent projects. They're a lot harder. There's a lot of heart and soul in them, and you really do have your own voice, but it's the whole difficulty of living with it for years and years and years and <laughs> struggling to get it out there. I mean, I think that as independents, we have a very strong warrior spirit along with our creativity or we would just die. But you For did sure. a film. <laughs> you made a full length film uh, prior to Prologue, the Abuela, right? What oh, was it called? Abuela's that Luck. That, was that a short or a full length? That was a short, but okay. we are making it into in a feature. So okay. Ricky is working on the feature script. Uh, he started fundraising a little bit. Um, but that our short got uh, released at the HBO Latino Film Festival and thus got picked up by HBO and uh, ran uh, on HBO for several years. And we had extremely, extremely great success uh, with uh, Ricky Rosario at the head. He wrote, directed and produced it. I helped uh, our company, uh, Four Wind Films, help produce it. And uh, I pushed it through post and um, did as much as I can for it. And Ricky's an amazing talent and he's been dreaming of uh, he is dominican uh dominican american uh, and he is dreaming of his representation of his community uh through this story and through his film and he is the voice to tell it he's a, he's an amazing storyteller and um i can't tell you what it was like when he premiered that short in new york but it was rock i mean my words aren't exactly right but it was raucous and 
Uh, it was a packed house and one of the most enthusiastic crowds I've ever seen. Oh, so nice. Really <laughs> that is so nice. Okay, so everybody there speaks multiple languages. What languages do you speak around your offices? Yeah, um, I mean, usually we speak English, but definitely uh, in my household and stuff, um, uh, my fiance is Italian, so we speak Italian a lot. And um, I also speak with my child and stuff. I speak French. Um, and then my sister-in-law is Portuguese. She's from, or she's Brazilian and she speaks Portuguese. So I speak a little bit of Portuguese. It's probably my worst one. And then I can also, <laughs> you know, in our community, there's uh, a large Latino population and working with Ricky, you know, his film was bilingual. So um, we speak Spanish sometimes as well. And I also have like a short, or uh, the, my first feature is a documentary. It's a, uh, uh, we also shot in France and um, in Colombia, so we're speaking those languages as well. So were you living over there? You were living in no. France, obviously. Well, I did live in France, but not for the film. Mm -hmm. um, I lived in France for a year as an au pair when I was younger. Um, uh, right before, actually, I was building my first website, which thankfully is gone and off the internet now. <laughs> it was pretty, uh, pretty 80s, to say the least. Um, but... Uh, you know, there are sites that allow you to find those old websites. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can. Uh, good luck. I think <laughs> I do have a backup on my computer because I'm pretty good with that. But um, but yeah, I lived in France for a while. But for our documentary, we basically went to we went to seven different schools around the world. And we shot at uh, each of the schools for a week. And uh, it's a documentary about perspective uh, using the center point of educational systems. So we went to... France, Belarus, uh, Burkina Faso, Japan, Colombia, and then two schools in the U.S. And um, that's the current project that I've been working on it for over 10 years now. Sadly, it's that long, but I'm trying to push it to, to the finish line uh, and hopefully be able to get a solid uh, cut by the end of the year. That's um, That and starting this business in Minnesota are my current real, real pushes um, on what I want, want to get done this year and push uh, push four wins forward. Well, don't fault yourself because it's taking a while. A lot of documentaries take, I have one I've been working on for over 10 years. You yeah, know, the, yeah. when the time is right, the time is right. That's and, true. and you know, sometimes if you try to finish them before they should be finished, it's a little premature. You're not going to get the full story, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, That's something I'm pretty particular. I won't allow that. I won't allow yeah. to, anything to be finished before it's done. So. Yeah. Yeah, which I think I think that does help me. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's like the you know being an artist yourself. I'm sure you know it's just like the only thing on your mind all the time. <laughs> yes, you dream about it. You wake up yes. thinking about it. You jump out of bed and you go, "Oh my gosh, what do I need? I forgot to do this, or I need to do this, or I need to call this person." So talk to, <laughs> yeah, kindred souls, Justin. We are yes. kindred souls. It's so nice to talk to you. Tell us, um, because we have a lot of people who listen who like to know about workflow and gear and all of that. So what do you edit in? What Are you using Resolve to color? And um, let's just pick Marcellus for an example. Uh, what kind of cameras did you guys shoot with? So can we go through the, the production and then the post-production workflow? Sure. Um, so production... For the documentary, I'll just to say generally because frames of reference and Marcellus's are very similar, um, 
and I'll tell you why. Uh, oh, one thing I would change for the feature versus the sh the short. Um, uh, Mars's I kind of consider as a short because it's uh, mm -hmm. five short episodes. But basically, I bought a camera when DSLRs first came out. I I bought a DSLR and a couple lenses, and I've been using that ever since. Back when I was a when I started out, I did a lot more cinematography work. I still continue to do some cinematography work, mostly for when there's not a lot of lights. And um, so for Mars's thing and for the uh, frames of reference, um, we just shot it on a DSLR with uh, some of the standard Canon lenses. It was and a Canon? It was a Canon or? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We shot, uh, it's the Mark II. So mm -hmm. I have an old one. Uh, and those things are nice too because you can snap uh, still photos in between and have mm -hmm. amazing looking photos. Um, uh, and we bring those to our narrative sets too when there's, you know, bigger cameras and stuff for behind the scenes photos. I think there's something um, cool about using an older camera. I haven't gotten rid of any of my old cameras and I was actually oh, yeah, looking at some of them today going, I remember that one, I remember that one, I remember that one. Um, yeah, I have, I actually have a, the first digital camera Sony made was a Mavica. You probably have never even heard of it. I've heard the name, but I don't know, I don't even know. A little square like. thing that used to shoot on these tiny tiny little like a third the size of a mini dv oh i still have oh, wow. it but but yeah i think you can get really good images with some of the older stuff not not the mavica obviously but but the <laughs> yeah, cannons as long as, as long as you know how to expose it and you stick yeah. within the dynamic range that it has you know and for all these things that we're shooting we're shooting uh indoors or you know we're not trying to shoot next to a inside next to a window or anything um which i think is really your only limitation if you don't have a ton of lights and stuff um so yeah we uh, i basically set it up and both of these things i just have a tiny manfrotto uh tripod which we were talking about right before the show that i uh, used the same thing on your shoot today um and i set it in front and they're very i'm trying to i'm very unimposing when i do documentaries and I'm doing a lot of the work myself. Sometimes I'm the only person on set. So I might be, um, a lot of people say this, but you know, messing with the lighting a little bit, uh, getting the audio, I do the audio, I do, you know, I, like really the only person on set. And uh, I'll be talking to them casually while I'm setting stuff up. And then I'll also be, you know, don't know if I wanna admit this, but I think it helps. I'm nervously talking about what I'm doing uh, technically. And I think that puts them at ease because they um, realize that I'm not only thinking, I'm, I'm not trying to like scourge something out of them. I'm trying to have a casual conversation with them and I'm being honest about what I'm doing in the moment. And um, um, I think you see that in the interviews and people in general like to be honest with me because um, people know that I'm honest very, very quickly. So, and you're um, personable. You actually like people, and they can yeah. feel that. I mean, if you're going to do documentaries <laughs> and you don't like people, find you know, go be something, do something else. else. Do something it's else. True. Don't even try to do documentaries if you don't like the people you're talking to. So you shoot with the Canons. You've got the Manfrotto tripod. You've got some lights. Um, what are Almost you using for sound usually? Yeah. Always a Zoom. I have mm -hmm. this. Actually, I'm speaking on the same microphone that I've interviewed so many people for. It's just the ME66 Sennheiser. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's not a very expensive shotgun, but it sounds good. Sounds great. I also great. use it for my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have um, some Sennheiser Lobs, and mm-hmm. I bought, recently bought a nicer Saxcom with a Countryman. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> A little bit of money in that one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like, oh, I can uh, use them all the time, and I wanted another... Why do I always think of Madonna when I hear Countryman? I guess because she's on stage. That's when she's on stage. Oh, okay. You got to have the Countryman when you're a big star, right? So (laughs) for for editing, what do you edit on once you're in LE? Well, I definitely like two systems. I like Premiere, and more and more I'm liking Avid more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to like them equally. Um, but the thing is with Premiere, it's amazing when you do quick turnaround projects. You don't have, uh, especially if you're working with cheaper cameras or even if you're working with bigger cameras, it just can handle a lot and process mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of stuff that you don't have to do the transcoding. So when you're doing commercial projects and things that are under 15 or 10 minutes, it's amazing to um, have the flexibility of the multiple codecs and, and, and things to work with. Mm-hmm. Avid is a little bit easier to work with, like a ton of audio uh, tracks, which a lot of times when you're doing bigger productions, you might, you're going to have a lot of mics. Um, and when the projects get larger, uh, the way that Premiere deals with audio is sort of uh, inconvenient and with their uh, sidecar files that they make. And I forget what, the, what ex- when they index the audio, sometimes that uh, is so annoying and it drives me crazy working on multiple machines with uh, audio stuff. So when it's larger projects, I like to go to Avid. Mm-hmm. And when it's smaller projects, I like to go with Premiere. Um, for Marcellus's and for Frames, I have both gone to Premiere. I wish I would have taken Frames to Avid. I think that was a mistake on my part. And so I'll say that. <laughs> Tell us about uh, Frames of Reference. Yeah, so uh, like I said, we traveled to seven schools around the world, and we spent a week at each school, and we're basically on the ground um, talking to um, teachers, administration, parents, and students about what it's like at their school and the problems in the education that they're facing, uh, not just in that particular week, but more like in that particular year. So um, we traveled to you know places that speak four or five different uh, languages, they're in different geographical locations, and you really get pieces of what education looks like at these different spots. And in in so, uh, basically, we're doing seven vignettes at these schools with a little interlude in the middle. And uh, while we do this, you sort of get to see a picture of not just educational systems and what it might look like, but what having perspective on a single idea is like you take a complicated idea like education educational systems it sounds vast but what we're really seeing is seven ideas on it and seeing what perspective can give to that just by talking to people who deal with it every day so Um, what was your inspiration for that why did you start this this is a huge project yeah yeah i didn't uh no i it was the first project i started when i got out of college um, my parents are teachers and they went to this school. I had just been abroad for my second time in France, as we talked about. I also studied in Italy earlier. Um, 
And I came back home and my parents had moved to Montana on Native American Reservation, Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation. And they were teaching at a school there. And they said, you got to come here. You should uh, do a documentary here. And I thought that's the first time uh, my parents, well, not the first time, but they had gone to another state and lived and worked there. And this is definitely, you know, a different culture that they're working entirely on the reservation. They said, uh, you know, the difficulties and the amazing things that their culture brings. And they said, come over here and document it. And I was thinking, that's one culture. I This is my second time abroad. I want to show what it was like for me learning in Italy and France. And mm -hmm. of course, uh, I got a taste of that. I wanted to go to a lot more places. So I first went to my parents' school and I documented um, in Lame Deer, Montana, their school. And then after that, I knew that from the beginning, I had the same idea that I wanted to uh, do a thing on perspective using the same subject matter. And we uh, chose the rest of the schools around the world through my contacts. And once I found a good school, uh, we went and captured it as soon as we could. So, and we finished the principal shooting on uh, this documentary. We're just uh, halfway through post right now. So. It's a big one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you don't mess around. You just decide you're going to do it and you go out and do it. You know, um, yep. <laughs> I think a lot of the most prolific and most talented directors are the same. They just decide they're going to do it and they just start and they go out and they do it. I admire that quite a bit. So when you move, uh, you're talking about building a facility or moving into a facility in Duluth, near Duluth, Minnesota. Near Duluth, yeah. Are you going to disband Brooklyn or is that going to stay where it is? What's happening with that? Do you know? Yeah, we're just still um, we're still keeping everything in Brooklyn. Um, we're very flexible. I mean, mostly we're especially during COVID, you know, home office. Um, you know, all my friends work work from home as well. And so what we're doing is we're going to Bob Dylan's uh, hometown, his original town in Hibbing, mm -hmm. um, and near there in Chisholm. And uh, we're going to also start with a home office there and see what it expands to. And me and my friend, uh, Elizabeth Chatelaine, uh, we've done a lot of post stuff together, um, you know, HBO, Disney Plus, and a bunch of other things. And we're going to take our expertise to Minnesota, where they have these amazing uh, rebates, tax incentives, uh, up to 70%. And we're going to help fill the void of video talent there and help train new people in the area. So, um, and we're working with Lost 40 Productions and um, uh, who just have, they've already started shooting there and they have plans to shoot like four more projects this year. Um, and yeah, we're, uh, we're really... We're really excited to be able to go. This is like brand new. We kind of just started it this year. We just went to look at a house. We're trying to close on that. And then um, we'll sort of be doing by city, um, be here and over in mm -hmm. New York. So I love it over there. I really do. If I didn't have family here, <laughs> I'd be in Duluth. <laughs> Seriously. And um, tell us about your feelings about Catalyst. Oh, Catalyst is amazing. I mean, I couldn't believe it when we went. I mean, there are the ideal kind of festival that you want to be a part of um, because it's not you're not like preparing for the moment that your film screens at the festival. 
number one, they give you two screenings, which is really nice. Uh, maybe not everybody did, but most people did. Uh, number two, the main thing that they want for you to do is connect with other amazing people. I mean, that's how I got connected with you, Serena. And um, I'm, that's how I got started with this business uh, that I'm doing in Minnesota. And that's how, you know, we got connected to Lost 40 Productions and and Carl Gujasek and Matt Roy and like a ton of these cool people. Um, I mean, I could keep going on. Um, and you just meet a bunch of people for it's like six days, a vacation, a work vacation that you want to go to. Um, where you get to see some amazing content, but they also have incredible panels with people who are really helpful. Um, and a lot of industry experts that, uh, want to help connect you to the people that you need to be connected to. They're there to teach you the things you don't know about the industry and other people are there and are going to ask you what you do know about the industry. It's an uh, equal sharing opportunity and it's like five or six days and everybody uh, is excited to continue the conversation afterwards. There are so many people that I met there and um, all I've wanted to do is make sure that now that I got my foot in the door that I keep my foot in the door and I keep going back as much as I can uh, wedding Wedding aside, you know, if I can't make it because we're getting married, that's a good excuse. But you, know. you can't say, honey, I'm sorry, I can't make the wedding. I have to be a catalyst. <laughs> yeah, catalyst isn't that good. I got to say, but my fiance is a little better than, than catalyst. But other than that, I don't you know. I'm looking. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm looking up their website right now so I can figure out what the dates are. By the way, for those listening, catalyst specializes in television episodic. It is the most important festival for television episodic, I would say, in the world. And, I mean, I likened Catalyst a few years ago to the very first years of Sundance for film, for independent film. And they're just getting bigger and bigger every year, but they haven't lost their heart. They haven't lost their enthusiasm for the people who are there. And I really do recommend it. So where, let's see, festival... Uh, what are the dates? I'm looking for you guys. Hang on a second. Like, come on. I hear your baby in the background sounds. How old's your baby? Oh, yeah, you can. Uh, he is seven months. He just Aww. turned seven months. Cute. Or he will turn seven months in two days. That's what it is. Catalyst is for episodic television for anyone who wants to learn more, anyone who wants has who anyone who has products, and it's in the fall. I don't have the exact dates in front of me. Go to catalyststories.org and hang in there. They'll put the new dates and they'll put the schedule up shortly and you'll be able to to see if you want to go. And I do encourage you to go. Besides, yeah, it's submissions just fun. are open now, I think. So Yeah, it's just fun. I really and that's how Justin and I met was through Catalyst. I saw his mm-hmm. work and he was amazing. And that brings me to the film commission there, to to the folks on the film commission. Uh, who are so active in the community and who care so much about all of us as filmmakers. And Justin, like you said, there's some amazing tax benefits to going to Duluth. If you want to know more about shooting in Duluth and tax credits and all of that, contact the Upper Midwest Film Office. It's uppermidwestfilmtv.org. And they're amazingly helpful and um, besides, they're great people. I just love them. Big hug to all of you guys at Upper Midwest Film. Yeah, Ricky and Sherry are like the best of help. Everything that we've done up there. So um, 
They really are. It's you know, you know when you're a creative person and you're working on films, it's hard work. Yes, everybody thinks it's fun and easy. It's not. It's hard work and it's so nice to be around people who appreciate what you do and who do who will do whatever they can to help you. And that's how I feel about both Catalyst and the Upper Film West uh, office. So yeah, hopefully uh, I'll see you in the fall because I'm going to go. I'm going to be yes. there for sure. And Justin, what's next for you guys other than the big move? On top of everything else, I'm asking you what's next. <laughs> I, we have we have a couple um, TV shows that we're also working on, so we're going to try to submit that um, mm-hmm. over there. But um, and then uh, Elizabeth Chatelaine's working on a feature, and so is Ricky with the Blessed Luck, and of course my. Premiere feature uh, frames of reference uh, as a documentary. So those, I mean, it's a lot of different things, but we're trying to push push through a, a lot of different projects through some amazing creative, some of the best. Um, you know, we have producers on Broadway. We have former executives at Vice. We, you know, people people who really know what they're doing uh, that are really passionate about uh, doing some new and fun projects uh, uh, in some new fields. So um, it's pretty exciting right now. <laughs> It's very exciting, and I'm watching you. I am. I'm. You know, you're part of the OWC Radio family now, so we're gonna we're gonna be watching very closely. So and, he, we, and we love OWC as well. I gotta say, I got one of. Uh, well, I don't want to pick it up because it's under another hard drive, but um, <laughs> I have it right here. I just don't want to wreck it. But yeah, I use them all the time. So yeah, their hard drives are I'm amazing. Honored. I have them right here too. So Justin. Um, it's been great talking to you. He is Justin Joseph Hall of Four Wind Films in Brooklyn, soon to be Quatre Vents in Minnesota. And I'm Serena Catania, the host of OWC Radio. And like I tell you guys every time, get up off your chairs and go do something wonderful today. And thanks for listening.